everybody. Welcome to Allie, Aaron, and the Multiverse. We are two friends podcasting about shows that I have seen and Allie has not. Today is going to be a special episode because we're not doing a TV show. We're doing a movie. And that movie Woo-hoo! is Star Trek First Contact. I am so excited. Allie, <laughs> tell me about it. How? What are your feelings? I really liked it. Um, it's interesting to see just cinematically the difference in this Star Trek versus the J.J. Abrams ones. Um, But, I mean, obviously, technology progresses over time, so there's going to be differences. But I really enjoyed it. Um, I'll save most of my thoughts for when we get deeper into the discussion. But, yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, I mean, I'm just so excited because we've been talking about doing this one for quite a while. And, you know, it, it was just the perfect time. And this is my favorite Star Trek movie. And you're right. It's a different cast. Um, I mean, we, we've been watching Star Trek Lower Decks and you've seen the movies, but nothing else. So you haven't even been exposed to this cast, really. So um, without further ado, Allie, give us the synopsis of this entire movie in as little amount of time as you possibly can. Okay. I'm going to try and keep it real short and sweet, like really, really short. <laughs> I watched it a few days ago, so I might miss out on some details. But basically, um, you're on the Enterprise E, I think, and Picard is the captain. And it starts out where you he's having like a dream about being assimilated into the Borg. The Oh, excuse me. Assimilated into the Borg. And so eventually the i don't know what the ranks are but the person above him admiral like, calls yes the admiral calls and is like the borg are attacking like you all need to go so uh, or actually they send picard and his team to the neutral zone because they think he's going to have like flashbacks and not be able to react well but then they get a transmission that um the rest of the fleet is kind of going under so he he um what's the word he goes against his orders and goes and helps them out and then eventually they time travel back in time to the 21st century i think or something like that after world war three and they go down to um, make sure that the Borg don't mess anything up and then it's this whole thing where the Borg they defeat the Borg there but the Borg end up getting onto the Enterprise and then half of the team is down below on Earth and half of the team is on the Enterprise and it's just this whole crazy scenario and the people on the ground don't know what's going on up there and vice versa but we do meet Cochran who basically invented warp speed right? Something like Mm -hmm, that? mm -hmm. And um, then Picard is trying to get things together on the ship and trying to defeat the Borg because he knows he can like hear them in his head because he was assimilated before and so he knows the best ways to defeat them and everything and all this stuff goes on while on Earth they're getting that ship ready for Cochrane to send up into warp speed but that's basically like like, the meat of it is that, and I don't want to give away too many details in that part well, of the summary. It's a podcast. But... You can give away the whole thing. <laughs> well, there's a lot of fighting, and then one of the people from Earth actually ended up getting sick, so she's on the Enterprise and is, like, blown away, and um, she ends up leaving the med team, which I think was the stupidest thing for her to do, but, I mean, you do what you do when, <laughs> when you don't know what's going on. Um, and then... We find out that um, the, like, head of the Borg is, like, this woman who wanted Picard to be her, like, right-hand man, but instead she's using data, um, and she, like, gives him real person skin because he wants to be, like, a human, and there's that whole interaction. This is, like, a really bad (laughs) summary, I feel like. No, it's great. It's great. Keep going. Keep going. You got this. (laughs) Um, let's see. And then Picard ends up finding, oh, they end up abandoning the ship, even though Picard was like, there's a word for it where you're like so committed and then you feel like you're too committed. You just can't go any other way and you just want to keep going. But then the lady from Earth is like, no, we have to abandon ship. Otherwise, everyone's going to die and it's going to be your fault. And Picard finally comes around, 
So they all abandon ship and then Picard hears Data and he's like, okay, I'm going to go save Data. You guys all, you know, leave and Mm -hmm. abandon ship because they're going to self-destruct the ship. And then he goes and finds Data in their, like, core that they made, the Borg made. And Data ends up, he was, like, playing a role this whole time, which I think was super cool. And he ends up... Um, disobeying the Borg leaders. I don't know her name, but the Borg leader, he disobeys her orders to um, to basically, like, blow up Cochrane's ship because they want to blow that up so that they can then go and assimilate Earth and yada, 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 and take over the world and the universe and yeah. <laughs> um, and then Data ends up... Is it Data or Picard who ends up, like blasting the the middle is it i don't the know fluid? the core where like yeah that's data fluids, data goes resistance is futile but boom yeah so he does that which essentially disintegrates anything organic right mm-hmm. so picard is like jumping up into the coils and wires trying to stay alive and the lady tries to grab his leg and then data since he's mach- uh, you know he's not human he mm-hmm. just tries to pull her down and he can last through the through all of that and they basically save earth and kill all the borg well all of the borg from the future so Mm -hmm. the borg of the past are still in the delta region did i remember delta quadrant delta quadrant you're there you got it Mm -hmm. see little by little right Mm -hmm. (laughs) so they end up so this is essentially gonna happen all over again i'm assuming with the whole like timeline but i don't i don't know how time travel works man like that's okay that's okay i think you did a really good job um i think you got the whole movie in there at the end they uh suffering cochran um makes his warp flight and it attracts the attention of the vulcans which was the whole the whole point of why they had to make sure it happened so first contact mm-hmm. happened and therefore the the world keeps ticking in the future so yes yeah you got it man that was a good summary i liked it um <laughs> So I have been talking about this movie to you without saying anything about it for a while. And uh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to know, does it like hold up to all of those, uh, you know, maybe expectations that I have built? I mean, I think it's like, yes, but I think it's also difficult because I haven't seen any of the other ones, too. So I don't have anything else to compare it to. But I really liked it for sure. So good. It, it wasn't it wasn't a disappointment. Let's say that. But it, I don't know how it would compare to the other ones, because I know you say that this is the best one out of all of them and you would die. You would fight for it. Right. Yeah. But other people, other people might disagree with you. So just in, the, in that, <laughs> like if that argument ever came up, I wouldn't really have a say. But I did really, really like it. I enjoyed it a lot. There's <laughs> only one or two other movies that people think are would say are the best. And they're the old from the very original series. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of that's nostalgia. And you know what? At least one of them is a really solid movie. But it's honestly just it's I think this movie, you just watched it and it came out in like 90, somewhere between 96. It was 96. 96? It was 96. This movie yeah. came out in 1996, and I would say 99% of all of the graphics and the look of it holds up really, really well. There, There's, like, a couple things. Maybe when Data jumps down in at the very beginning to, um, you know, to stop, uh, you know, the woman from firing at them, um, that part doesn't oh, look as yeah. good. That's the only thing that really, you know, pops out at me when I watch it. Yeah. Well, that's that's this isn't necessarily about the plot of the movie, but just about editing in general. Ever since I started, you know, my YouTube channel and I've been editing and figuring out, you know, does this look good? Does it line up? Like if I cut right here and then I add this clip in, will it look weird or will I look like I just like Mm -hmm. flat, like fast forwarded? And so when he jumped down with the bullets, you could see the bullet holes in him. But then in the next scene, his vest didn't have any bullet holes in them. So yeah, that little scene, I think just it was the one that got away from them. Yeah. But I mean, I thought it was, I guess I was kind of confused at first because I didn't really know what data was i thought he was an alien not like oh fair a, enough i didn't even think about robot. that robot mm-hmm. yeah so he's an android yes yeah, yeah yeah so i thought he was an alien so i was like oh maybe he's just like bulletproof but then you know 
I realized he was an android, but I think it's interesting too, just how his like the face makeup and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like now it would be a lot different. Yeah, because you could you could still see like his pores and everything, and I feel like if it was, I mean, maybe because they're trying to make him look human. He, they, they were they wanted that, that, but he was trying to be um, as human as he could through the series. That was sort of his thing, and you can kind of see mm-hmm. it in the film too. Like at that beginning where. Picard is touching the um the the oh the ship the, the ship yeah, the ship and they're talking about you know the experience and how it brings them closer and how data doesn't really understand that happened throughout seven seasons of Star Trek so it's his continuing yeah. exploration of what is humanity and what it means to be human and he talks about that in the film too he does he does and I thought it was really cool and then like with his emotion chip that kind of reminded me of in Lower Decks when um. Rutherford had his like thing where uh-huh. he could go into sassy, angry, like cowboy. <laughs> oh my god, they should have done that with data. That I wanna see well, I think we I think at some point they did on the holodeck uh like a Wild West thing. So I think we did see cowboy data, which is hilarious. That's funny to think about. <laughs> yeah, but I thought it was interesting how he could just like turn off his emotion chip, like, okay, wish I could do that in times of crisis. Like Exactly. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> that so, would be great. What did you think of, I mean, you don't really know this crew, so what did you think of the crew that you met? Because just to go through them real quick, we've got Captain Picard, Commander mm-hmm. Riker, who's the number one, the the person after Captain Picard, Deanna Troy, who's the ship's counselor. Uh, we have Worf, who came onto the ship because he had his own ship. At this point, he's oh, moved yeah. on from the crew, but in the series, he was the security officer. And uh, they in every single movie, by the way, that has this particular group, they always find an excuse for Warp to come back. It's always really funny. Um, <laughs> this one felt the most plausible, I would say. He's the what did he say? Klingon. Is he a, yes. Yeah. yeah he's that's the Klingon the species. Okay. Yep. And then there's Data, who you know, he's the android. We have Beverly Crusher, who's the doctor, and we have Jordy LaForge, who's the chief engineer. He's the guy who his eyes look a little odd. Uh, because mm-hmm. I'm sure you might have seen pictures. He used to have this big visor thing on his eyes because he's he can't really see. No, I'll show. Uh, I'll send I you a picture those, of that. But <laughs> yeah, so that's the main group of characters, and then there are a couple of others that have been added for the film, like Lieutenant Hawk. He wasn't in the show. He was just added for the movie. But I thought he was really good. The he was the bridge officer who eventually gets killed by the Borg when they're on the they're in their spacesuits uh, on the deflector. Uh-huh. Yeah, and. There's um, Alfie Woodard's character, and she is the woman who we meet, and she's um, Lily, and she is, okay. you know, working with Zephyrin Conkren and, mm-hmm. you know, ends up in space. And I think, uh, you know, we'll get into it, but I think she steals this movie in the best way. Like, she stands next to freaking Captain Picard, you know, Patrick Stewart, and and steals the screen. And I feel like we're experiencing everything through her because now, you know, she didn't ask to be on the ship and there's crazy right. you know, machine things. And I, I love her in this film. I, yeah, I really liked her scene when she basically told off Picard. And I think it just showed like the difference in culture, mm-hmm. like work culture from the 21st century to the 24th century, you know, like, they on the enterprise they're like if the captain says whatever the captain says goes no matter what even if you want to dissent but um i mean same thing for like military pretty much but i feel like now there's a little more like leeway than there is well in the 24th century i don't know maybe i'm reading that wrong i think part of that is um they're not following him because i know that's what beverly crusher said but what she's trying to say in that is because they've all been with him, you know, for the seven years of the show, they've all been, they trust him. And that's what they mean. Like, there there are plenty of times in the show where a captain does something and people are like, no, hey, you're, you're, oh, okay. it's open, you know, you can talk about things, you can question things. If you think there's a problem, you can say something. But what she's, what she's trying to say in that moment is we trust him. And even, Got I it. think... Uh, is he making the wrong choice? Totally. And should they have said something? I do think so. But I think that they've, you know, they followed him everywhere and he's never let them down. And so I think that there's, 
you know, sometimes it's hard to get past something like that. But she mm-hmm. is correct. She's like, blow up the damn ship. And then, you know, he yeah. wrecks his little ships and there we are. <laughs> and she makes that really good comparison where he's Captain Ahab and, you know, he's focused. Because what you didn't see in the show, um, he was assimilated in the first appearance of the Borg. He gets assimilated by them and he, you know, he, once you're a Borg, you're a Borg. In very rare instances do people come back from being Borg, but he was forced to kill a lot of people, like take part in a battle that killed tons of people. There's something called Wolf 359 that was really, really terrible that killed like thousands of Federation, um, you know, people. And um, it's something that he, you know, has even through the show he was reckoning with. And we see that at the very beginning and all through it, right? Like he can hear them. He has an insight, but he's also obviously, like, traumatized and PTSD. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Going back to little your Ahab reference, I thought it was so funny how she was, like, he quoted it and she was like, oh, I never read the book. (laughs) That's, I feel like that feels really real. Like, everything in this movie, I I feel like it's, you can touch it, right? Because you Mm -hmm. see on the Enterprise, you know, he was listening to that at the very beginning when he was sort of in distress in his ready room. He was listening to this opera music and everything. The The people of the Federation always feel so cultured because they grew up in a time of, in general, peace. And there's no more poverty. There's no more war. There, You know, we have replicators. Yeah. No one needs anything. There's no one starving on the street. And so they don't work, you know, like he says, we work to better ourselves. That's They do everything, you know, for passion and because they want to. And so they've had you know, all the time in the world to be cultured and study these things where she's like, you know, they had a world war 10 years ago and they're trying to build this ship. Like she doesn't have time for that, but she knows the reference. (laughs) She has read cliff notes like we have. (laughs) That is true. That's the best you can do sometimes. Yeah. So, um, uh, should we, should we break it down? What do you, what do you think? Yeah. If you want to go like, not necessarily scene by scene, but you have the notes. I was just watching and enjoying. So hey, I'm just glad you, you enjoyed it. Down. <laughs> well, yeah. If we did it scene by scene, we'd be here for about 25 years. But uh, no, yeah. I think we'll we'll do it sort of part by part. So the movie starts out, and as you said, it's uh, Picard, and he's you know aware very quickly that the Borg are here. They're you know they're close to Earth. They're attacking, and you know they go ahead and attack and. The, the Enterprise is being told to stay away because they don't trust Picard. But, you know, Picard ends up coming in and saving the day as usual, you know, because he's Picard and he <laughs> has to. And then that's what sets us on this journey to going back into the past. And, you know, they end up in Montana and they go down to the planet. Some of them go down. Some of them are up there. And then they kind of switch a little bit, and then they're cut off from each other, and the stories sort of become, they're on a parallel path, but they're completely separate, you know? So yeah, what sure. did you think of, like, that that whole part of it, like, the opening? Do, what, what parts of it stick out to you? Um, Definitely the dream, mm-hmm. where he, like, he Thing comes out of up. his face? Yeah, the thing, well, it was first the thing came out of his face, and then he had... No, no, no. It was first the eyeball thing. Mm -hmm. And then the thing came out of his face. But I thought it was cool how he, like, woke up twice. Yeah, the dream in a dream. Yeah, the dream in a dream. So that really stuck out, um, especially when other people were getting assimilated, too, Mm -hmm. um, throughout the movie. And then, you know, I think a lot of times in situations where you have prior trauma that like that happens a lot where you you're told to stay away so that definitely like resonated and I think that he made the right decision to go and swoop in and save everyone um because they didn't know where to strike and he's like no hit at these coordinates and they're like oh but that's not a major like hit hit point I don't know what they called it I don't remember but that's not a major place yeah exactly and he's like trust me that's where you want to go and they all did and then it like blew up and then the little orb came out from the middle and Mm -hmm. they time warped I thought the time warp too was cool because I don't remember who it was um but she was like why if if they are going back in time to assimilate like 
why are we still here? And he said that, you know, there's something with the time. Yeah, they were caught in the temporal wake. Exactly, yeah. So I thought that was cool to kind of justify them still being, you know, humans. Yeah, Um, and that cool view of Earth that you could kind of see it was all, like, like kind of metallic looking and everything. Yeah, it was really cool. So that was also a big one. And then I liked seeing the relationship between Cochran and Lily at the very beginning Mm -hmm. where she was like, no, you don't need to drink anymore. And he's like, screw that. I'm going to drink. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And then, and then she was like, oh, I need to get to the Phoenix when the Borg started attacking. And he looks up and he just like lays back down. He's like, whatever. He's like, screw the Phoenix. (laughs) That was funny. But I do like the two separate storylines because I think, I think it, it was a good balance of action and like let's get ready for this like life-changing event you know yeah and they're like kind of joy at being a part of it and how they they tried to hold back that but it just kept sort of coming out and Cochran my favorite part was how much Cochran just didn't give a shit and also like hated it and all of that was so funny well so this is where like my time space continuum like or whatever it's called Uh the whole like time travel thing comes in because Mm -hmm. my question is how did he do it before like without all of them if they're like helping all with all of these technological issues or did this happen the same way it did before and they just didn't know because they didn't live through it yet and like you know what i mean okay like (laughs) there's there's an answer and there's an answer in the answer here the the easy answer is the ship was damaged when the Borg... Remember at the beginning when they came back in time yeah. and they started shooting? The ship was damaged. It would have worked perfectly and gone on the, the journey just fine if they had never attacked. So the the reason they were needed in that moment was because the Borg did damage it. And they were... they There's no way Cochrane could have fixed it all himself in time to make that journey. And if he didn't go at that certain time, those Vulcans would have never have seen him. So they needed the Enterprise crew to fix it fast enough otherwise they just wouldn't have been able to do it now the other thing you said there's there's this whole idea and i am not a physics professor or or like anything like that but there's cause and effect right like if they go fly up into space at the certain time they will meet the vulcans and that will cause the future to happen right now (laughs) there's this whole idea that there's in temporal things there's an effect that precedes the cause that causes the effect. So they go back in time and help Cochrane because his ship is damaged. Therefore, the future exists so they can exist. So they can go back in time to fix the thing. <laughs> so so they may have always been there. And yeah, and that's the thing. It's like these things, they're all part of a loop. So it's not a straight line. It's a, it's a circle in a way. It's a Jeremy Bear me. It's a Jeremy Bear me. Oh my god, it's <laughs> totally a Jeremy Bear me. I'm there for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I love both of those stories, and I think that the thing this movie does really well, especially for someone who hasn't seen it and doesn't know this crew, it gives you time to sort of like there are these little moments where you get the personalities of the crew. Like right when Worf comes on board, and uh, and Riker's like tough little ship, and he's like little like just those little funny moments and and Riker being like you remember how to how to work the phasers right (laughs) and Worf gives him that death look and he's and he just kind of laughs and walks away like you feel that these characters know each other that they're that they care about each other and even the the quote-unquote throwaway characters like the two engineers who right at the beginning go crawling through the Jeffries tubes and there's like Uh that horror movie where it's like ah they get pulled away (laughs) like they they I felt like they're memorable too. Like they had, they talk to each other for a minute. You see their faces. Like they have names, and I feel like that's sometimes missing in movies. You just have people who just die real quick, and uh, oh yeah. And there was a lot of that. Like I really like. There's a purpose for everyone. Yeah, and the Hawk character, he he almost makes it through the whole movie. He gets real close to the end, and I like him. And he's been in like eight thousand things, by the way. So we will actually. He looks familiar. Yeah. He should look familiar because he's in the Arrowverse, and we will eventually get to him. He plays a character called Damien Dark. So we will actually get oh. to him, and uh, yeah, but. 
anyway, so there's that beginning bit. They, uh, you know, they travel back in time, you know, tachyons and all that shit. And they, I, you know, they put on their mid-21st century clothing, which is always, that's always funny to that me. They're like, fun. we yeah. got to blend in with our tricorders <laughs> and shit. And um, now the groups are separated. We've got Riker and Deanna Troy uh, down on the planet with Jordy, our chief engineer. Thank God, because he might have died in engineering otherwise. That that worked out oh, well. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Down there with uh, Lieutenant Barkley, who was a guest star on Star Trek all the time. He wasn't a main, but he was an interesting character. He was the one who was like shaking his hand and being all awkward. His, okay, yeah, I was gonna ask. <laughs> he is on multiple series of Star Trek, and his whole thing is being awkward. Like, there was a whole episode where he was terrified to get in a transporter because he thought he would die in there. Like, he, he was just, like, a hypochondriac. Then he got mm. addicted to being on the holodeck, and he would just, like, never leave. And he did a whole bunch of inappropriate um, uh, holodeck making. You, remember how I told you you're not supposed to do hollow novels of people that you know? He did yeah. that to a very inappropriate degree. Like, he was oh, a real character. Oh, boy. But wow. anyway, he's he's an interesting character. I like that they got him in there, too. But, um, okay, so now we're on the ship, and um, Lily, who's not supposed to wake up on the ship, they brought her up there to treat her because everybody's been uh, exposed to theta radiation from the the ship, right? The uh, Zephram Cochran's mm-hmm. warp ship. And so, but she's had more exposure, so they're taking her up there to treat her. And, um, but the Borg comes smashing down the door and they can't move her, you know, while she's, you know, asleep because it's hard to move a, you know, a practically dead body. So they wake her up and, um, you know, I, I, like, I understand what you were saying where it's like, she's crazy to have left the group, but also she woke up and people are beating down a door and she's in an, she has no idea where she is. And she's just mm-hmm. being told to follow random people. And she probably fought in this war. Like, she's obviously capable, right? Like, she picked up a gun yeah. and was, like, shooting at uh, Data and Picard right away. So <laughs> it makes sense. She's a leader. It makes sense to me that she'd be like, well, this is my chance. I don't know these people. I need to get away and, like, regroup. And she doesn't know she's on a ship. Like, that. that's... In outer... Yeah, in outer space. <laughs> yeah, that's unimaginable. So I yeah. think I get... Wh- and she hasn't even seen the Borg yet, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, I think I can see... I don't know if I would do that but i could see why she did so she is diverged oh and you know how they um dr crusher as they're trying to leave she activates the emergency medical hologram oh yeah that's funny have you ever seen that guy before uh i don't know so i like don't remember his face right now but he is actually the he's a main character the doctor on a show that was just starting their first season that year called star trek voyager and on that show, uh, long story short, right at the beginning, their entire medical staff gets killed. And they oh. are, their whole story is that they are like 70 years, they've accidentally been thrown 70 years uh, away from everybody else. So they're on like a long journey home by themselves, okay. meeting new people, all this other stuff. So this holographic doctor who's only supposed to be there for emergencies becomes their main all-the-time doctor. And he's sort of like Data in a different way. He's exploring. He's not supposed to be, like, uh, completely self-aware and have his own agenda, but he sort of evolves that way. And then mm-hmm. he it's an exploration of what it means to be human, which I think is a really good story. But anyway... This was like a really cool cameo for him because he pops in and gets this little moment where he's like, I'm a doctor, not a doorstep. And uh, <laughs> and that's that whole little cameo. But I just wanted to point it out because I thought that was a good little moment. No, I thought that was uh, very witty of him to say. But I was also like, bro, like, <laughs> you got people banging on the door. Like, do something. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, would you like an analgesic? And then, but um, yeah, he and his whole thing is sort of being in the first season of Voyager. He's very gruff. I mean, he's kind of always that way, but he it it kind of fit his personality. I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was fun. Um, <laughs> so now she's running through the Jeffries tubes, which is what all the tubes on the ship are called, and um, and she meets up with Picard, and she's all like, you know, shouting at him and shit. And, you know, she thinks he's part of this, like, Eastern coalition or something, part of the war or something like that. And I love the way that he he's like, okay, I'll give you what you want. Then he's like, boom, big earth, feel free, go fly in. Like, what an interesting way to sort of, you know, shock her into 
where she really is. I mean, I think that's, like, that was the only way to really do it. Like, if he had tried to explain it verbally, there's no way she would believe her. Like, or he would, she she would believe him. Words, I can speak Words are so hard. (laughs) But there's no way she would believe him if he tried to verbally explain it, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. and I think it was smart to do what he did because it was the fastest way to do it, to get her, like, on board with what they they were trying to do to and he they walked through a whole corridor with borg too and Mm -hmm. like i think that was a big reality check for her as well yeah and i felt that she handled that about as well as any of us would have like i think i would have screamed too i'm like what the fuck i would have passed the f out like and you know i hadn't thought about this before in the eight thousand times i've seen this previously (laughs) but um she and Cochrane have just had like a long night and you know they were at the bar and everything they were going to bed and so she's up all night dealing with it like she's had a day and now she is having a night like this is crazy yeah. and and also into the day as well because uh we we know that obviously this goes on for quite a while so you're exhausted and tired maybe a little drunk and crazy stuff starts happening like i think she handles it about as well as you could yeah i mean one could potentially maybe argue that she got some sort of rest when she was passed out, but, like, still, coming back after being passed out is not the same as sleeping, so. Yeah, yeah, hopefully it was a little restful for her, because yeah. she has uh, a whole, she's had a day, man. She really has. So, from there, we go with Picard, and I believe we go to the holodeck, because Picard's like, I gotta figure out what's going on. And then we get like a an interesting holodeck scene where it's like this nineteen what would you what when would you say that is? Like nineteen twenties? Like nineteen nineteen thirties, like mob movie. Yeah. 19, yeah. And um and there's that kind of fun moment where he's like, This is the wrong chapter and everything changes. And oh, it was a book, huh? Yeah, something it like that. It was a that. book then, not a movie, yeah. Yeah. And uh well no, they call holodeck um because you can do a novel in a holodeck. And there can be different oh. chapters. Yeah, so in the in, basically in the future, they don't watch television at all, but they they are part of it all the time. So instead of like watching Star Trek, they would you would be in Star Trek, you would just be a character, in it, and you could be like ah, you know, chapter fourteen, and which would be like episode fourteen. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's odd, but makes sense (laughs) i hope we get that in our lifetime i mean i feel like we're closing in on it because the vr stuff is so cool now yeah but it's barely i mean it's accessible to some people but it's really expensive like how many people actually have vr stuff i I mean they're not that expensive now they're like 400 bucks which is it that is expensive but i i've played a bunch of them that you don't have to be hooked up to a whole bunch of stuff like there's a star wars one that's insane and you can lightsaber (laughs) fight darth vader and if you have a big enough area to walk around in it feels very very real so i want them to do a star trek version of that because i want to be on star trek (laughs) you're like invite me to the holodeck please yes please remember when mariner was running that program in the first episode it was all like big guys working out oh my gosh that was funny but anyway back to back to the thing we were talking about um the board come in and he turns off the holodeck safety protocols we've talked about this why would you do that why is that even allowed but in this instance uh the holodeck uh holographic bullets kill the borg which I think is interesting because they don't hurt data, but the Borg... Oh, well, I guess because the Borg are partially organic and data's not. I answered my own question. But um, <laughs> he he gets their chip so he can figure out what they're trying to do. And Lily notices that the, the Borg was someone on the ship. It was a crew member. And I think this is when she really sees that he's... Like he know he is helpful in this, but he's dissociative, right? He he knows yeah. what's going on, but he's like PTSD'd out of there, right? He's just yeah. on his mission, and that's it. So, mm-hmm. um, that was I think. But her- I mean, there's also the point that he made where like you're doing them a service to kill them rather than keep them as a Borg. Totally. I mean, I don't know how. Is that, like, is that an accurate statement? I think it's pretty accurate. It's pretty rare. I mean, it seems like uh. It- in the passage of time from Star Trek, because this was in the 90s, to now, if that same passage of time has happened with some of the series, that they've been able to get more people um, to help them 
come back from it. But the problem mm-hmm. is it's really hard to... The Borg are so overpowered that it's hard to even capture them. You can see they adapt with their shields and things like that. So yeah. it's it's really unlikely you're going to save anybody. So yeah, and living that way, you're not even you anymore. You're just a part of the collective and you can't yeah. make any decisions. So I think I think he's right in that. I think that there's some sort of like middle ground in there. But, you know, yeah, we see his rage when he's like, ah! Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He was... She was like, whoa, cowboy, like, hold on. Slow your roll. Yeah, he was unleashed. So where did we go after that? Um, After that, we went back to the bridge, right? Yep. To see what they were doing. And they that's when they found out that they were trying to... I forgot what exactly it was they were making. They were Oh, they were trying to call the other Borg, right? Yeah, they were using the deflector. And the deflector, if I'm saying the right thing, which I'm always wrong, so who knows, um, is the thing on the ship when they go to warp or they go fast or whatever. You know how, um, it, like, they talk about it uh, for ISS. If you go really fast but there's stuff in space, if it hits you, it's going to do a lot of damage, right? Because things are going so fast that they just, like, you know, could fly right through you and you wouldn't even know. Mm -hmm. So the deflector helps create, like, a field around them to make it safe to go fast enough. And they're they're using... The Borg want to use the deflector dish to um, amplify a call to the Delta Quadrant so they can bring the Borg there earlier and assimilate the the Earth when they're basically defenseless and make the future shitty. Yes. Yeah. What? I mean evil genius but like what a horrible <laughs> horrible thing to do yeah that you know that's their thing they they think they're making everything better by making everything them so you know yeah and you really saw that when the lady was talking and i was like hold on they're like no you need to stop <laughs> <laughs> yeah and this is i think your first real experience with the borg because the only time you saw them before was when we uh saw uh, Rutherford do the program with uh, yeah. Shaq's Smorgasborg, which is one of the funniest mm-hmm. things I've ever heard. And he was like, ah, Borg! Oh, was so funny. Yeah. I loved that scene. Yeah, that was really good. But, um, yeah, so at this point, we are we are also going down to the planet, and they found Cochran, and Deanna Troy had to drink, oh. drink a bunch of tequila. <laughs> she was wasted. Hammered. Okay, that's the other thing, though. Like, how did she get sober so fast? <laughs> uh, you know, I well, I think there was passage of time there too because it was dark and then it was light again. So yeah, but like it only seemed like a few hours or like five or six hours. You I know? mean, she had like six or seven shots. God, I hope it wasn't that many. Oh well, yeah, she said that, she, didn't she, she? Yeah, she had to take like three shots of tequila before finding out that it was actually him, and then she had to take another shot, and then well, she took like two at the end. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they have something in their med kits that can help speed up the process or something. And also, she, um, you probably, it doesn't really come into play in the show. She is um, Beta Z. She's not human, um, and oh. so she can her sort of thing is that she can read emotions not read thoughts but emotions she she's empathic uh and you can see like i don't know if you look but her eyes are like really dark that's the one sort of tell and maybe i don't know maybe her biology processes it faster but i don't know she was like really gone she was just like it's a primitive culture she was so (laughs) funny i like that scene a lot yeah, and her and Riker good. together are always funny. But like, I just love that uh, Cochran... The Cochran dancing was my favorite thing because he dances like <laughs> like a crazy person. I, I'm doing it right now and no one can like see it. He dances like an old dad. No yeah. offense to old dads, but like... <laughs> yeah, and he was really feeling his thing. It was so funny. He was. He was. He, he was a great, great character. Yeah, and they tried to tell him a cover story and he didn't buy it. And so they told him the real story... And there was that whole bit where, you know, he's like, so you guys are some spacemen on some kind of Star Trek. Like, it's cheesy, but I loved it. (laughs) Yeah, I caught that, too. I thought that was cute. Yeah. And so they're trying to help him fix the ship. And Barkley's all like, oh, my God, I'm so excited to meet you. And and we have... Cochran's just so overwhelmed. He's like... Yeah. I think that's the other reason I brought up the time-space continuum thing, because, like... How did he change his personality? Like, he was saying that he literally built the ship for money so that he can go and retire. And then 
I'm skipping ahead a little, but when he sees the Vulcans come down, I think that was kind of his change in mentality, too, mm-hmm. along with seeing Earth from so far away, you know, but... Well, they say, um, astro- I, I love NASA, so ISS astronauts often say that the first time when they, they're able to look down on Earth and you can really see that, you know, being away from it and you can see it on its own and see how it's just one planet, it changes your perspective. Like, you see that Mm -hmm. we're all just people. Like, who cares if we look a little different, we sound a little different, we speak different languages. Like, we're all people just trying to to live. And I could see how that would change his perspective. You meet a whole nother race. You know, you're going faster than anyone's ever gone. And people from another world, like, that would be... And also, they've just had a world war. So, like... Who knows, like, what your your mindset would be. Yeah, that's crazy. But I thought it was interesting. Like, I mean, I would be reacting the same way, too. Like, having all these people from the future tell you, like, oh, you're such a great person. You did all this for us. You're amazing. We learn about you in school. I'd be like, um, how am I going to be able to do that? Like, what? Yeah, way like, to set a I'm high not- expectation. <laughs> like, I'm not that great. Like, calm down. Like, what if I totally screw everything up, you know? Well, and more so than that, because he, he's very honest. He's like, oh, I don't know who wrote this shit, but I'm doing this for money. Like, that that was the most honest. That's what I love about this movie. It feels honest. He feels like a real person. Yeah. He's, he's a smart guy, but he's not doing it. He wants to live in a penthouse with probably, you know, women and to drink and like he doesn't seem to be a guy who's quoting philosophy like our star trek friends no no definitely not yeah or um what's his name cheaty oh yeah cheaty. i'm i'm bringing in the good place references a lot today <laughs> i think i would love to hear what cheaty would have to say about uh this movie it would be awesome i would not because it would probably take like five hours you're right that would not be <laughs> awesome that would not be awesome. Um, but I like that even though Jordy kind of tells Reg to calm down, like two minutes later, he's doing the same thing. He's like, this is, there's a statue of you just reaching towards the future. And I went to Zephram Cochran High School. Like, he just, none of them can help themselves. It's so funny. He's like, I probably shouldn't be telling you this, but. <laughs> and it's like, as you say those words, you should know you need to shut the hell up. <laughs> exactly. Right. Oh, my gosh. Did you like that leak joke they put in there, though? Where he's like, I gotta go take a leak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Jordy's like, I don't detect that was, a leak. <laughs> that was funny. I was like, wow, slang in the future is not there. Nope, nope. They're they're a little more fancy now. Um, but anyway, so then we, we have on the ship, we have Worf and Hawk and Picard are, they're suiting up, putting on their cool spacesuits, and it's like a whole montage. And they are going to go stop the Borg from sending the signal. And so they go on a little spacewalk, which I think looks real cool. I think it, it like a lot yeah. of these things still look really good. Like I'm really impressed. They by do. It. I don't. I don't. Honestly, I think because I've also seen a few episodes of like the very is it Star Trek First Generation or the like next the generation? Very, the next generation. Yeah. So the effects from that to the J.J. Abrams completely different. Like oh yeah, the first season of that was 1989, and it was it was rough. Yeah, so, but I think the late 90s, I mean, I don't know much about cinematic history, but I think that they did what they could, and they did a pretty damn good job. Well, and this was the feature film, because even the, they were still, they had just finished filming that series, uh, and they were filming two separate series at the same time. They had Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Voyager. They were going at the same time, and they still had, the effects were better, but they weren't like this movie. This movie was a theatrical movie. It did very, very well, and they, it, you can see there was a big-ass budget. Like, the ship looks great. Everything looks great. Yeah. The show never looked that good, trust me. So, <laughs> Well, then I'll keep my expectations low for that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get around to watching uh, some episodes or something. But anyway, so we're on the we're on the ship, and they're, they... They do the spacewalk, and then they have to put in the code and then turn the little thingy, and Worf does it pretty easy because he's all strong and Klingon, and um, the Borg take notice. I was, yeah, I was wondering that because I was, because his was the first one to to do it, and mm-hmm. then Picard and Hawk were having some trouble, and I was like, huh, 
I wonder. Yeah, Worf is like hella strong because he's a Klingon, and I assume that you know that you're out in space and there's a vacuum. But I don't know. It, it, or they're magnetic. I think they're maglocks. They're like magnetic, so they're probably harder to pull uh, out. But yeah. that's the point where Worf gets nicked. And I love that Worf, Worf always has to bring a fucking knife everywhere he goes. <laughs> you got a spacesuit on, but you still bring your your knife, and he uh, he has to fight a Borg and. We think he might die, but then he, like, ties the Borg's piece around yeah. him. Yeah. Well, you think he's dead for, like, a solid two or three minutes. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like just the hand floating. That that was funny. But then oh, yeah. poor Hawk, who almost made it through this movie, gets killed by the Borg, which is sad. Yeah. Yeah. So Well, that... he, got, he got assimilated, right? Yeah, and he then, got assimilated. And then um, Picard kills him. Yeah, he shoots right? him off into into space. So I would assume yeah. he dies at you know. Well, he gets shot at so some I'm, point. Yeah. yeah, which is sad because I, I like thought that. it was, I thought it was, um, I thought it was cool too how Picard instead of like shooting at the Borg, he shot the ship instead. Like I thought that was Picard very is smart. smart. He knows what's up. Yes, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. But that was cool too because then the guy was like, "Wait, I can't." There's nothing to grab onto. Yep, that's it. And uh, then they, the the deflector gets released because they release the magnetic locks that are holding it in place. And the Borg are about to call. You know, it's like, do, 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 do. And then Worf is awesome and he goes, assimilate this. And then it blows up, <laughs> which is awesome. That was so funny. I was like, yes, do it. Perfect. Yeah, and I love the music in this too. It's like all beautifully timed, and it's it works. I don't know. There's lots of good feelings, and I, I don't know. But yeah. they they did that, so the they have stopped them from calling the future, which is good. And I think it's cool. Like it's interesting too how like they won't attack you unless they feel threatened by you. Mm-hmm. Like I just think that's so interesting. Yeah, that's one of the things I think Star Trek does really well is they create a lot of. Uh, there's all these different cultures and you know things like this, but they create a mythos around them that that is interesting. So this species is so advanced and they are so you know single-minded that they don't even give a shit about you until you're a threat or you can mm-hmm. be useful to them. So yeah, it, it's and in the series it's interesting too. So you can beam over to their ship and walk around and it looks kind of like all of that assimilated stuff that you saw and. You can walk around there. They don't care up until the moment you try to access a critical system or you attack one of them or something like that. Then they, you know, then it's over. But right. what an what an interesting way to go about your, you know, your business. Yeah. 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 So I, if I was them, I'd be like, WTF, like, what are you doing here? Like, leave, please. <laughs> so... It's that collective mind, you know, they, everything is reasoned, you know, they, they always say we are the Borg, not I, but they have the, mm-hmm. the Borg queen who is the leader and everything. And yeah. so throughout this whole thing, they've been running around and Data has gotten captured by her and she's trying to, her whole thing is she's trying to get him to release the code to the ship's computer because they want the Enterprise so they can complete their mission, right? Because their ship blew up. And right. especially now they want it because the deflector's gone, so this is they need the ship. And mm-hmm. Data's the one who's locked it out, so she's trying to... She's turned his emotion chip back on, she's given him a little bit of skin and blowed on it all creepy and shit, and there was a lot... It's the 90s, so there was a lot of weird sex stuff in there. And Yeah, they that made, made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it was the 90s, so that, you know, and, and like her, her sort of, like, creepy... Because she's very scary looking, but they also made her very, like, booby and everything... That's very yeah. 90s. Like I, I hope they wouldn't do that now. Um, and there's there's a whole long backstory where I can tell you, like, obviously it's written by dudes. Like, Star Trek is two steps forward, one step back a lot. Like, there's a lot of good things that'll happen, and then they'll do something, you'll be like, but, oh, God, it was good. Um, yeah. But anyway. And then there was the part where she was like, I forgot how she worded it, but she basically asked him how long it had been since he... Had done know. it. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
And she was like, well, like, maybe, like, you should use them again. And I was like, oh, gosh. Yep, 90s. (laughs) Cringe. Very cringeworthy. 90s male writers. Why do you do these things to us? (laughs) So then we have Picard, and he gets in there, and Data's all like, no, I'm with her now, like you said. And Picard is, you know, he's, I think that he's trying to create a distraction. Like, there's lots of talking and things like that. Yeah, because he's like, oh, take me instead. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'll do what you wanted me to do before, which I didn't do. Yeah, you can reassimilate me and blah, blah, blah. And at the same time, they're they're launching the, the warp ship. And I don't know why Riker and Jordy need to be on the ship. I, I that's the one part I'm like they just wanted to be. They just wanted to be. Yeah, but I feel I like they just... shouldn't. <laughs> well, because that was that was another part of my whole time space continuum. Like, were they always on the ship, or like did he do it by himself the first time, and now they're just there because they know he's overwhelmed because. They've been telling him all these things, or you know. I think like, Lily was supposed to be on the ship for sure, and probably yeah. I assume that what happened is they probably told Cochran to say Lily was on the ship, and that's why you know when they had the first contact meeting with the Vulcans, everybody from the ship from the Enterprise stayed back and didn't right. you know they stayed out of the way and weren't seen because. They, they knew that, you know, they wanted history to be as much put back together as they could. Like, obviously, it's not going to be perfect, but, you know, they did what they could. Close enough. But I did yeah. feel like Will and Jordy being on that ship was like, ah, I don't know if you needed to do that. <laughs> I mean, he was freaking out. Cochran was freaking out a little bit. So oh, yeah. I think it was, like, good moral support. <laughs> and then the the line that, um, who was it? Riker said uh-huh. to Cochran about how he was like, a wise man once said, and then something about, like, it's not about judging a man, it's how history judges him or something. Uh-huh. And then Cochran's like, who said that? And he's like, <laughs> you, 10 years from now. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what idiot said that? Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah, he's, I think he said it was something like it was like a bunch of rhetorical nonsense. Or I, I love Cochran. So good. Yeah. And um, that was James Cromwell, the actor. I think he's fucking amazing. But so they do it. They go on their mission. And um, just at the same time they're going to warp, we have uh, the Borg Queen and we, you know, Picard and Data. And Data is like, resistance is futile because he's supposed to destroy the ship. And then it right. it misses. And she turns around. And she's like, Data. And he's like, kaboom. And lets out all of that fluid that, you know, eats people. And then mm-hmm. Picard does his, like, climbing thing, which I don't know how, like, that's a little, like, eh, how did he do that fast enough? But whatever, it's a movie. I don't give a shit. And then the Borg Queen does that, like, thing. Have you ever seen Terminator? No. Holy shit. <laughs> Let's put it on the list. See, you know what? Will has been, like, introducing me to all of these classics that I never watched because I either A, wasn't allowed to watch them, or B, mm-hmm. was, like, a little sissy and didn't... <laughs> Hey, that's okay. We can podcast about all of them. That's the whole point of this podcast. <laughs> you haven't seen stuff, and I have. So in Terminator, <laughs> there's a part where like this like metal hand comes out of like this fluid and grabs and tries to pull someone down. So this felt like an homage to that. Like you know, the hand comes up, and and Picard's like kicking and shit, and uh, and then Data drags her back down, and mm-hmm. then you know the day is saved and. Uh, she's I like when he breaks her like little cybernetic neck like that's very like oh yeah it's like moving around so vengeful yeah he needs therapy for sure after this oh yeah but not the therapy they had on lower decks like that was bs (laughs) vindicta (laughs) you made that happen would it be called picard (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh he needs better therapy than that bird yeah. With the fruit. Oh, that bird. The like, bird. Oh like, my a God. pineapple is not going to fix his problems. Yeah. Let's You're be acting real. like a pineapple now, Picard. 
Oh my gosh. Good reference. Look at, you're making Star Trek references. I'm so proud. Go me. Yeah. So, so the day is saved and we watch Cochrane um, make first contact, which is fun because the Vulcans do their live long and prosper, which I'm, yeah. I know you've seen this hand thing. Oh, I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I put it, did you, did you not see my emoji on my Instagram post? Yes, I did. I was so proud. And I didn't even know that, that they had that emoji, to be honest, until we started doing our Lower Decks podcast. That's right. The nerds are everywhere and they take over. <laughs> so I love that but he Cochran can't do was it. struggling. Like, he was struggling so much. I mean, some people, like when I was a kid and like I learned how to do it, it was a little difficult, but like some people just couldn't do it at all. Uh-huh. Like, at all. Could not. Yeah. And I mean, it is, it is kind of tricky. It's like muscle memory. I, it's I feel like, like I've been doing do- it for so long. For those of you listening, we're like making we're on hand Zoom signals at each just, other. Yeah, we're trying yeah. to. Do Remember things. in the when they would be like they were doing the Vulcan like pat to each other uh, at the end of Lower Decks. When um, I don't think I remember that. There, there was a point where a mariner did it, where she walked out of there. She's like, "Live long and prosper." And her mom was like, "Back at!" And then <laughs> Boimler did it too, and it became like their way. It was like their friendship thing. They were all like, "Boom, boom," with the the Vulcan symbol on their like chest, and it was. I don't know really why. Funny. I think I just totally missed that. You're gonna have to rewatch it. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so the day is saved, and he he does a little handshake thing. And um, then, you know, you see the crew and they're all like smiling because they're witnessing history and shit. And my favorite bit is near the end. I forget exactly where, but they're I in the I think I know bar, what you're talking about. And the music I think comes that was on. my favorite too. Yeah. And the Vulcans are like, what the fuck? <laughs> they're like, well, who do we need to kill? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Vulcans are so that I don't know. There's just something very human about that which i think fits and and then we go back to the ship and everybody's back in their outfits and you know like they're like let's get back to the future and then they do and that is the end of the movie and yeah. uh yeah what did you think i i really really liked it i i enjoyed it i thought it was the perfect balance of like the action and suspense with you know the building of the ship and all of that it was the music was good. Um, for some reason, I don't pay too much attention to music when I watch movies. It just kind of, mm-hmm. like, blends into the background. Um, but for me, I guess, typically, if it blends into the background, that's a good thing. Yeah, and then yeah, if of it's course. Like, if it doesn't blend into the background and it's obvious that it sucks, then that's a bad <laughs> thing. So um, nothing really to say negative about the music at all. Um, I think the one thing that is like my little criticism which I think is just a difference in acting style from the 90s to like now is I feel like sometimes facial expressions are a little more like over the top in movies like older movies Mm -hmm. you know versus now or there are little things that people do that are a little more like make it obvious that they're actually acting and not it's, do you, you kind of get what I'm saying? It feels more theatrical or like a like theater, seeing live theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, And that's kind of, um, Star Trek has its roots, especially in the, the 90s shows, in a lot of, a lot of the actors are from theater. And I think that that kind of comes through it a lot. So I definitely see what you're saying. And there, it feels a little bit more like watching, it, it's, I think this movie does a good job of not doing that too much, but sometimes it can feel like you're watching, like, a theater sort of show. Yeah. It wasn't very often that I felt that. I think it was just one little part, and I don't remember which part it was, but, you know, it was definitely... Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't like, a big issue (laughs) with the movie. It was just, like, if I had to pick anything... Hey, that's fair. I'm just glad you you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I definitely, you know, want to watch other movies. Um, well, this is the, I'm just telling you, this is the, the high <laughs> point. Like, no, I'm not saying it's all downhill from here, but, uh, you know, I think this movie, I think the J.J. Abrams movies are fun to watch. The first one is definitely the best of the three. Like, the second one I don't like, and the third one I still can't tell you what happened in that movie. It was very weird. Um, <laughs> I can't remember if I've seen all three of those, but... Yeah, well, hey, we can watch them and talk about them. But that first one I thought was really good. Like, it was a good reimagining of 
the original series, but I think it still suffers from a lot of problems of like, why do why do we have to see Ahura in her underwear? Why why do we have to watch you know like him, Kirk running around with a woman? You know why like there's a lot of these kind of things that are I think they were trying to make a take on the, on the old Trek, but it just feels tired to me. Um, yeah. But I, it, overall, I do really like that movie. They got Spock in there, original Spock, which was cool. I thought it was a fun story. It looks really awesome, but mm-hmm. I think this is a better story. So, Yeah. I I would be interested, actually, to watch, start watching the, like, Picard series. But is, so, is that, like, did was that a series before and then they brought it back or is that its own spinoff now and uh, it was they its, just used? It was its they, own series. It So the original series is the one with Kirk and all of them. And that went on for, I think it was like three or four seasons. And then they had a bunch of movies. The Next Generation came out in, I think it was like 1987 or something like that. And it was on for seven straight years. When it came on, Star Trek hadn't been on for a very long time. And so it was a big deal, and they didn't think it was going to do well. Uh, Patrick Stewart tells a a well-known story now that when he got the job, because he's from England, for the first season, he didn't even unpack his suitcase because his agent was like, because they had to sign like these really long contracts, I think five or six year contracts, and his agent was like, you're going to be back here in like nine months, don't worry about it. And he was like, okay, because he he wasn't particularly, uh, I don't think he was particularly interested in it in the beginning, because a lot of them thought, like, oh, what is this show? And then it became, like, this cultural phenomenon. And I will tell you, listen, we can watch it. I am down. It's there. There's a lot of, for women especially, um, there's a lot of two steps forward, one step back. There's a lot of that. And there's a lot of reasons why. But uh, it is it is way better than the original series, and each progressive Star Trek gets better. Like, Deep Space Nine is better. Uh, Star Trek Voyager is better. The Star Trek that's on right now, Star Trek Discovery, where the main character, uh, Michael Burnham, is played by Sonequa Martin-Green. Um, you know, a black woman who is the main character. Like, everything's been getting better. These characters have... There are gay storylines in the new Star Trek, um, and they're not throwaways, and they're not just, you know, killing off gay characters left and right. Um, so they get better, but this is 1989, so we, long story short, we can go back and watch it, but there, it won't always be like where we're like, yay, we might be a little like, Ugh. so yeah, just want to set there those expectations. Cringe, cringeworthy moments. But there will be lots of lulls because 1989 graphics are hilarious. <laughs> oh my God. You will laugh your ass off. I'm sure. I am sure I will. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I had, uh, honestly, I've been looking forward to this for so long, so I had a really good time talking about it with you and just hearing that you texted me and you were like, all right, I know we're going to talk about this, but I have to tell you, I loved it. And I was just like, I'm so happy. Like, I was so (laughs) fucking happy that you enjoyed it. Yeah, I texted you because I knew, because we were going to do this on Monday and then I was then we got caught up and so we're doing it today. But I was, I just had to tell you, I was like, I should probably tell her that, you know, even though we're going to talk about it later, I can't go into much detail, but I'll tell her that I, I really enjoyed it so that she at least knows that much. Hey, <laughs> that made me so happy. And, you know, I mean, you got to make your own opinions, but I I really do believe this is one of the best. It, it's just like well paced. You learn about the characters. There's not a lot of extraneous like this is this person. This is that. Like it just feels yeah. like a really well crafted story and it's executed well. And if someone who hasn't seen, you don't know any of these characters, and you watch this film and were able to follow and enjoy it, I think that says that's, a lot. Yeah, that's exactly what I. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Podcasting. That's exactly. <laughs> Woohoo! That's exactly what I was gonna say, though. I think even if we hadn't watched Star Trek Lower Decks, which I don't think Lower Decks had much to give me, like there wasn't too much back ground in Star Trek that would have helped me per se mm-hmm. in watching this movie. Um I think that it was a very good like it's something that you can just watch even if you don't know anything about Star Trek and enjoy. Um and it's something that I would probably, you know, maybe in a, a year or so would watch again, you know, with That makes me so happy. Time passing, you know. But it's, you know, I think it it 
at the very beginning, because the opening scene was kind of, it was when he was being assimilated and everything, so it was kind of like, whoa, yeah, what's they really, going on? Like, they, 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 they just start right away. Yeah, they threw you in there, um, but after that, it, you really quickly were caught up to speed with what was going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that... Um, I think that for Lower Decks, the the thing that you get from it is it's set in a very similar time period. It's it's coexisting with the Star Trek Next Generation, and the look is similar, and the layout of the ships, and the way that it's organized is similar, so I thought that that might help just make you feel a little bit comfortable with the situation. Um, as opposed to if we watch Star Trek Discovery, which I hope we do at some point. They're, they just finished season three, like, last week, and uh, it's it's so different. I mean, it's good, but it takes place in pre-Kirk time, but it's made now, so it looks insane. And, and mm. I don't know, it just, uh, I think it would be a fun one for us to watch at some point. So, but Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm glad totally you like down. this one, and um, this was, like, a fun, different little podcast for us, so... Uh, you know, I'm glad we did it. Yeah, me too. Um, I think we're going to be going back to some of our Arrow podcasts yep, fairly yep. soon. School's starting up again for me, and I know you're working, so, you know, they might not be as often as we'd like, but every couple weeks typically is pretty well, much going to be... We're going to get them going out there, and uh, we'll we'll find our zone. There's been a whole bunch of, like need a new computer this and that government uh uproar because of craziness and uh you know there's there's been a lot going on and uh we're we're just gonna find our pace and we're gonna go with it and i hope people will continue to follow us um it's been nice to see people's comments on twitter and instagram people are still following us i know we've been on a break but hopefully this will fill in that gap and we do have a makeup tutorial coming out in the next couple of days. It's going to be live on, uh, we think it's going to be on Twitch and uh, YouTube live, but don't quote me on that because we're still working out the details. And then later it will be released on your channel, right, Allie? Um, I'm going to be doing a specific tutorial on it mm-hmm. for my channel, so a separate video. But gotcha. um, depending on what uh, platform we do the live on, I'll see what I can post where and all of that. But I'm pretty sure unless we're going to get through this editing real fast or you're going to get through the editing real fast, that might have already happened by the time this podcast goes out. It might have, but I'm going to try and blaze through this and I'm not going to edit it super hard. So you guys are going to hear some of our our blah, 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 blahs uh, because we want (laughs) to just get it out there and have you guys listen to it. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode uh, and we hope you're all safe and well and we will be talking to you soon. And uh, Ali, got anything else? Uh, follow us Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, anywhere else you can find anywhere us. Anywhere <laughs> else, yeah. A multiverse. <laughs> yep. And oh, that makeup tutorial is going to be a crossover with Strange New Pod, which I'm also on, so you can find me there. Um, and we're going to get Allie on there guesting at some point. So anyway, we love you guys. Uh, listen to all of our old podcasts. Say hello to us. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.